Welcome back to the AUA's Inside Track Podcast. Today we have a special advocacy edition of the podcast, and I'm going to let our guest introduce himself right now. Thank you very much. This is former member of Congress from the state of Georgia, Dr. Phil Gingrey. Before Congress, I spent uh, 22 years practicing obstetrics and gynecology uh, in metropolitan Atlanta. Uh, I got elected to the Congress uh, in 2002, so I served from the 108th Congress uh, to the 115th Congress for a total of 12 years or six terms. Uh, since that time, I have uh, been uh, a senior uh, advisor to the district policy group, a government regulatory affairs lobbying shop in the District of Columbia. So for the past uh, almost five years now in that role and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, our clients are primarily uh, such as the American Urological Association uh, in the healthcare space. So at least it's something that I feel that I know a little bit about and, and have some competency in and, and look forward to this discussion uh, with Casey today on those so many important issues. I will say that I was a Republican member from Georgia, but uh, this, is, this will certainly be a bipartisan discussion. So I don't think I'm breaking any news when I say it's an interesting time to be in Washington, D.C. What is your take on what it's like on Capitol Hill these days? Well, it, it's not good. Uh, there, uh, unfortunately, is not much bipartisanship, and I think it's gotten progressively worse since the time that I first arrived in 2003, as I stated, in the 108th Congress uh, until I left uh, in January of 2015, and indeed over these last four and a half years that I've been out of Congress, it definitely has gotten progressively worse. Uh, I don't want to to suggest that everything was all warm and fuzzy over millennium a uh, hundred years ago. Indeed, uh, there was uh, a beating on the House floor, one member of uh, a political party beating up on uh, a member of the opposite party with a, a cane almost to the point of death. Uh, so that doesn't happen today, thank, thank goodness. And uh, one could say uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but uh, words will never kill me. But the words that we're hearing today in this time of social media and tweets and the internet and everything going viral, words uh, have gotten pretty harsh on both sides of the aisle and, of course, indeed from the administration. So it's not, it's not a good picture for the American people to be exposed to. What does the rest of the year look like for members of Congress? There's only a handful of weeks remaining now at this point. And, you know, there seem to be a lot of important issues that do need resolutions. And there's plenty of bills that need to be passed. So let me, let me get your uh, feelings on that. Well, no question the most important thing that Congress has to do every year uh, is uh, pass uh, a, a budget, uh, whether it's an actual budget resolution that's agreed upon uh, by the House and the Senate, or a what, what we refer to as a deeming uh, of a of a budget resolution, which both the House and the Senate have done uh, in this uh, Congress uh, in this 116th in, in, in the first session. Uh, in this, it's not 
not uh, ideal uh, that they didn't pass a budget resolution. It's certainly uh, been the case in the past that they have not. Uh, but in any regard, uh, to finally uh, get the appropriations uh, bills uh, passed for the 12 different uh, funding uh, committees uh, is of paramount importance. Uh, and that has not yet been done. And, and that has to be done. Uh, that's something that uh, the, the Congress should be doing uh, every year by the end of September, the end of the fiscal uh, congressional year. And uh, it has not been done. And that this is true in, in past years as well. And I think the Congress has gotten more and more lax in regard to getting this work done in a timely fashion. Uh, so the most important thing that they have to do in these remaining few weeks, we're already past the end of the of fiscal year uh, of 2019, and we are, we're into the fiscal year of uh, 2020, which began on October the 1st. Uh, we have continued to fund the government by a continuing resolution, a so-called CR, uh, which, which will last now uh until uh, November the 21st, uh, so about a month from now. And what's going to happen, I, who knows, or is the Congress going to finally come together and pass a appropriations process for the rest of the fiscal year 2020? Are they con- con- going to continue to kick the can down the road, uh, punt, if you will, uh, for two, three, six months? Uh, I-, I hope they don't do that. Uh, because this is the most important thing, as I stated, uh, in regard to what needs to be done in these remaining few weeks of the calendar year. Uh, we are already into the fiscal year, uh, so uh, members of Congress have their work uh, set out for them, and I'm sure they're going to be working hard and long into the night in these remaining few weeks. Uh, and, and, of course, there are other things, that, Casey, as you've suggested in regard to bills that need to be passed, uh, the reauthorization of different programs like the Patient-Centered Outcome Research Institute, a program that's very important on continuing comparative effectiveness research on ways, best ways to treat uh, different diseases for different populations of patients. Uh, this program was uh, enacted uh, 10 years ago. Uh, as part of the Affordable Care Act, and the authorization expires or has expired in 2019. Uh, Yes, it's included under the continuing resolution, but this absolutely needs to be done. Community health centers need to be reauthorized. Special diabetes program uh, needs to be reauthorized. As far as the American uh, Urological Association, the bills to reform the United States Preventative Services Task Force, Uh, those folks that decide how often and and to whom uh, PSA is important to to screen for prostate cancer and how often and to for whom mammograms should be done to screen for breast cancer for women. All of these things are are huge, hugely important uh, and need to get done uh, before the end of the year, drug pricing, uh, surprise billing, uh, all of these things are, are bills that, that Congress has talked about and the, the public uh, is acutely aware of 
and they are scratching their head wondering if these bills are going to get done uh, in a timely fashion. That is by the end of this calendar year. I want to ask about what might happen if the budget doesn't get passed. If Congress doesn't pass the legislation or or a continuing resolution for the budget, can you walk us through that process of what would then uh, happen? Well, if, if it doesn't happen, then the government shuts down. Uh, it, you know, some of these bills that we're talking about that, that are not appropriations bills, but they're dependent on appropriation, they may not get passed. And and uh, and that's that's a bad thing uh, in many instances, uh, depending on what side of the issue you're on. But if you don't pass uh, the appropriations process, uh, then the entirety of the federal government shuts down. Uh, now, these CRs that are done and we're under a CR right now, uh, the, the funding stream, uh, the appropriations uh, are the same as they were in in fiscal year 2019. Uh, but uh, each and every one of these uh, appropriations uh, needs to be plussed up to some degree. There are some that, that some programs expire and, and, and need to be uh, to expire, but we don't need to shut down uh, the federal government. That's happened uh, too often in the recent past. Uh, and it's been extremely unpopular uh, with the people of this country. Uh, and so uh, one side or the other, either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, uh, always gets blamed. Uh, and it's, it's uh, not good politically, but more important, it's, it's just very bad, bad policy. Uh, it's very bad for uh, a certain... Uh, streams of funding that are so important to health care, uh, such as uh, the Health and Human Services Department, uh, under which, of course, is uh, the Medicare program, the National Institute of Health, where so much uh, uh, research is being done on uh, not just urology, but uh, uh, many other uh, specialties of medicine, uh, cancer. Uh, infectious diseases, uh, uh, so much uh, work that, that needs to be done. And, and, and these researchers that are uh, so brilliant that, are, that bring these, uh, ultimately, uh, this bench research uh, to uh, a- actual research uh, in the field that lead to uh, new and better drugs, new and better treatment, uh, new and better, better medical devices uh, to make people healthier, to uh, prevent disease, to treat disease when it happens, uh, they, 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 they really struggle uh, with these short-term funding programs, these so-called CRs. They need uh, to, to, to have some uh, surety that the money is there for them to do the research. So hugely important, a government shutdown uh, would, be, would be terrible. But short-term continuing resolutions into calendar year 2020, deep into the fiscal year 2020, uh, also is very, very bad policy. And I'm just hopeful that the two sides can come together, hopefully before the end of the year, and pass uh, an omnibus bill for the rest of the year.
Are there any other must-pass bills you want to touch on or mention, particularly ones that affect physicians and patients? I know you, you mentioned quite a few there, but I'll just give you the time now if you want to mention any more. Well, I think I did uh, mention, and maybe we can uh, elaborate just a little bit on, on some of these bills that I think are so important, especially in regard to uh, health care. Uh, not just for, for the providers of health care, of which I was one for many years. I, I think I delivered over 5,200 uh, babies in a, in a 22-year career uh, in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, and, 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 of course, uh, I'm thinking today, though, uh, not as a practicing physician, but as a, a consumer of health care. Uh, somebody that uh, is on on the Medicare program and uh, and so dependent uh, on the excellent uh, care that physicians and other health care uh, providers are giving to me and my family. Uh, I think about the drug pricing bill uh, in 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 the supply chain and the complexity of that, and people going to the drugstore at, at the point of sale. And picking up that prescription, and all of a sudden uh, not having the money to pay for it, and and maybe only getting half of the pills that they need for the month, uh, and 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 maybe uh, breaking them in half, and not realizing that if you don't don't have a lot of that medication, uh, an adequate amount of that medication in your system, uh, whether you're treating diabetes or uh, uh, elevated cholesterol or elevated blood pressure, uh, that you're putting yourself at extreme risk of, of a stroke or some other uh, catastrophic uh, occurrence. Uh, so uh, the, the Congress coming together in a bipartisan fashion to do something about drug pricing uh, that would cause, if it's not done, if these bills are not passed, uh, people would not get the medications that they need simply because they cannot afford them. Surprise billing is another piece of legislation that has been talked about uh, rather extensively. People get out of the hospital, or maybe it's an outpatient surgical procedure, and uh, lo and behold, they're told after the fact that their their health insurance uh, does not cover the services provided by provided by the anesthesiologist. Uh, the anesthesiologist doesn't accept uh, their 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 particular uh, insurance policy, uh, and the patient is, is faced with uh, maybe an additional uh, two thousand dollar bill uh, out of pocket, and uh, also uh, just general uh, care when you when you go to an office uh, for for medical treatment to to find out that uh, the, the copay. Uh, which was uh, on your la- vis- last visit six months ago was thirty dollars. Now it's fifty dollars, uh, or, or that the uh, medication that you you, you were taking uh, not only has a a a uh, copay of of thirty to fifty dollars, but there's also a coinsurance that you you the patient have to uh, provide uh, an, an additional twenty percent of the drug, and in some of these cases. Uh, of cancer chemotherapy, 
uh, that can be in the thousands of dollars, uh, even on a monthly basis. So uh, th- these are the two, I think, two of the most important things that the Congress needs to get done. It's a bipartisan issue. It's not a Republican or a Democrat or an independent issue. It's a patient issue. Uh, it's a constituent issue. Uh, and, and surely uh, they can get beyond the noise of impeachment hearings uh, or inquiries or whatever they're called and get beyond that and get their work done. Uh, I hope the Congress, as they say, can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, but I'm fearful that they may not. With only a few weeks left in the year, do you have any advice for our listeners about how they can continue to be strong advocates? You know, with so many other issues competing for a lawmaker's attention, you know, how can they continue to be strong advocates? Well, that that's a very, very important question. And I think that what I would say is be patient as a dedicated advocate uh, for your particular cause, uh, some of which uh, we had mentioned uh, earlier, things like dealing with the United States Preventative Services Task Force and how they make their decisions. Uh, it, uh, is medicine uh, well represented? Uh, is there a urologist uh, a part of that task force uh, that can give that input uh, so badly needed in regard to? Uh, PSA screening uh, and the like. Um, These things uh, I know can be awfully frustrating uh, to dedicated advocates, not just the physicians, not just the American Medical Association or one's state medical society or specialty society. When you're working on these things, it can be awfully disappointing uh, when you don't quite get over the finish line. Uh, I've had that happen to me many times uh, as a member of Congress, uh, and it's very, very disappointed. Uh, Of course, bills in Congress, uh, if they're uh, not passed uh, in the two-year time frame, uh, then you have to start all over again. They have to be, even a bill that has passed, let's say, as an example, Passed the House of Representatives, has gotten to the Senate, it's got plenty of support, uh, it's got uh, a majority uh, of the Senate behind it, uh, and it's, it's, it's right for consideration on the floor. And then at the last minute, any one senator can put a hold on a bill for any reason. And, and I've, I've had that happen to me on, on a green chemistry bill. Uh, ultimately, that green chemistry bill uh, in regard to manufacturing, not medicine, but that does relate to health care uh, in, in regard to toxic chemicals and that sort of thing and waste products in the manufacturing process. So it, it, it didn't pass. And I was literally crying over the fact that it didn't pass. But ultimately, uh, two or three years later, it was included uh, at, at added on, if you will, uh, to another bill, it, it caught a ride, uh, and, and, and it was ultimately passed, and it, it's the law of the land now. Uh, when you think about uh, the frustration, of course, of things not happening, I, I would say to, uh, particularly to the physician listeners, 
that know this uh, so well. Just think about how long, Casey, it took to get uh, uh, SGR repeal done. Uh, the whole time I was practicing medicine, uh, the whole time, the 12 years I was a member of Congress, uh, we worked on it every Congress, uh, every year, uh, and, and yet uh, we, we never could get it passed. Uh, it finally... Uh, the year after I left Congress, uh, in the very first, first session of the 115th Congress, uh, SGR was repealed, and now we have MACRA. MACRA's not perfect, but it's a heck of a lot better than physicians every year facing a potential 30% cut uh, on their reimbursement for uh, provision of medical care under the Medicare program. Uh, and, and so I, I, again, I would just say to those that are laboring in the trenches and wondering what can I do and scratching the head, be patient. Uh, it's uh, never too late and until it's too late. Uh, in the old uh, phrase, I think it was probably Dizzy Dean, uh, that, uh, that just said this. It's never over till it's over. Or maybe it was Yogi Berra. Uh, but with Congress and the administration, it's literally never over. Uh, there's, there's always the opportunity to come back to a, uh, a different Congress uh, with a different majority, to a different administration, uh, with a, a different party, uh, to get, get what needs to be done uh, accomplished. So. Uh, that's, I think that is the secret that we, we all tend to, uh, particularly those of us who are, uh, physicians and former physicians that we want to, we want to get things done right away. We want to cure the patient today. We want to do the surgery, uh, as soon as possible. Uh, but we need to, to, to take a deep breath and understand, uh, in this political world uh, that we're dealing with. Uh, it does take time. If you never give up, you will ultimately accomplish what you want to accomplish. I want to ask a little bit about your background in medicine. And you said you were um, delivering babies in Marietta, Georgia, of course, a suburb of Atlanta. So maybe there's some people listening who um, are also practicing physicians or healthcare providers, and they may have aspirations um, for, for some public service or to get into government. Can you tell us about how your transition went? And maybe there's some takeaways that other people can learn from. Well, uh, getting uh, uh, into uh, uh, a political career, of course, involves uh, leaving uh, a career uh, in the practice of medicine. And I, I have answered this question a number of times uh, of, of constituents and colleagues, and uh, they ask me, well, what do you miss the most, Phil? Do you miss Congress uh, or do you miss uh, the practice of medicine? Uh, do you miss being a member of Congress or do you miss being a doctor? Uh, well, I, I would say to my colleagues uh, that are listening to this podcast who are practicing uh, medicine, uh, it is still without question in my mind the greatest profession uh, in the world. And uh, I, I, I think that being a member of Congress and a public servant is, is hugely important. 
and and people have the talent and the skill and the ability to do that. Uh, but uh, the the best part of my life was uh, practicing medicine really hope for for a total of, of 30 years because I was in family practice for a couple of years. I went through an OBGYN residency and an internship before that and then the actual practice uh, of medicine. Uh, so it was well over a 30-year career and uh, I, I would take nothing for that. It was uh, a, a great experience uh, and, it, and it brings out uh, I, I like to say it brings out the better angels, whereas unfortunately politics just doesn't always uh, bring out the better angels. And if you're watching uh, Fox News or CNN or or or, or, or whatever uh, is happening in in Washington D.C. right now in regard to uh, all of the infighting, you know, you wonder uh, what form of government. Uh, we have and, and, and what indeed are we accomplishing? Uh, but I would remind uh, our listeners, and I think uh, I'm right, uh, Winston Churchill uh, said this, uh, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. Uh, and actually what we have, and I, I know the listeners would correct me pretty quickly, is a representative democracy, a republic, but uh, essentially, uh, we are in members of Congress, former members and those who are still laboring in the trenches, uh, they represent uh, each member of Congress, 700,000 people, uh, each United States senators, the entirety of the population of their state, whether 750,000 people in Montana uh, or, or uh, 50 million uh in uh, or 35 million uh in california uh and and it's an awesome awesome responsibility uh, and I, and i pray for them every day uh because it's not easy uh and i don't mean to in any way disparage the the work that they're trying to do but it can be awfully frustrating Former Representative Phil Gingry has been our guest today on the AUA's Inside Tracked podcast. Dr. Gingry served in Georgia's 11th Congressional District, elected in 2002, and served from 2003 to 2015. Dr. Gingry, I'm going to give you the final word today. Is there any other final thoughts you have before we end the interview? Well, Casey, I just thank you really for giving me the opportunity to uh, have this conversation, and uh, I hope the uh, listeners will not hesitate to uh, communicate uh, with the uh, AUA. Uh, the AUA uh, has uh, a government uh, and regulatory affairs uh, shop uh, in Washington, D.C., staffed by extremely experienced, in many cases, not most cases, former senior Hill staffers who know of what they speak uh, in regard to uh, advocacy and how to best speak to uh, and meet with and contact uh, members of Congress or folks in the administration. Uh, It's just uh, invaluable uh, what uh, uh, the AUA is doing, uh, what uh, American College of OBGYN is doing 
uh, for my specialty, our state societies, our county medical societies. Uh, stay involved uh, and uh, never, never give up. Thank you for listening to the AUA Inside Tracked Podcast, an official podcast of the American Urological Association. For more information, please visit auanet.org.